This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. This is Amanda Celine Miller, the voice of Boruto and Sailor Jupiter, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from and luckily there's a show called talk time we've been waiting for this for a long time Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news special guests and unbiased reviews suburban kids the hipster street dudes all can learn something new me too i heard worse when no faith is empty i stayed the course so my haters tempt me beat the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy it's acmg anime comics movies and games come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah we are back with a very festive episode for you as i'm going to review 8-bit christmas starring neil patrick harris on hbo max uh right now it's available and trust me i am not a festive guy so for me i i i'll explain on our talk topic when we review this when i review this but for me to review this movie speaks volumes. Like if if I if I review a Christmas movie, it's going to be because it's unofficial and it's involved around Christmas, you know, like Into the Spider-Verse, Die Hard, stuff like that. Gremlins, maybe, you know, that type of thing. Um, but the gamer in me couldn't resist the premise of this movie. So we're definitely going to talk about this and see what I think this could be a new addition to your uh, Christmas collection for a lot of reasons. So stay tuned for that. We also got a lot of crazy news this week um, in, in the world of our favorite fandoms and some new trailers that we all want to talk about as well. So we're going to get down to all that. But before I do, I want to thank CEO of CGCG, uh, Chun Wei Wang from, tai, uh, from Taiwan. He um, took the time to answer some questions for me for an interview that I wanted to do with him about his game, about their game, uh, The Legend of Tian Ding, which is available now on Nintendo Switch and Steam PC. Um, if you haven't played this game and you're looking for something new in terms of, you know, side-scrolling action 2D, you know, beat-em-up games, or technically Metroidvania-style games, you may want to go check this out. This is awesome, and not only is it awesome, but it's based around a true story of a folk hero 
named Lil Tien Ding, Tien Ding. And I found it very fascinating and so fascinating that I wanted to reach out to the developers of it. I managed to talk to Chun Wei Wang himself, and he uh, was grateful enough to answer all my questions. Now, normally I would have reached out to do an audio interview like I have with some others uh, outside of this this uh, country here in the United States, but sometimes it doesn't go that way because of language barriers. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't feel or they didn't feel that they would be able to do a fluid interview in English and be able to communicate with me in that way. So I, not a problem. I have another platform called talktimelive.com, <clears throat> which you all can read over there. And it's a really, really great interview that we did. And he answered a lot and it was some intriguing, very intriguing uh, information about this folk hero. And I had to look him up further and indeed this dude is really famous in taiwan he's known as a criminal but also a robin hood as well you know he stole from the rich gave you know get, stole from the rich and gave to the poor type of deal and the game kind of implements all of that in there which is pretty awesome so go out of your way to talktimelive.com in our blog section it's available now you can read that interview um and enjoy it because i think there's a lot to check out and then also you can check out you know, artwork from the video game as well, which is some beautiful artwork from the video game. And there's a trailer for it as well. And then I also have links to both the Steam page where you can buy it on there and then the Nintendo Switch page where you can buy it on there as well. It's about $19.99. Really, really well done. Beautifully done. And it's an intriguing, well-told story. They take a little bit of liberties in terms of, um, you know, the story to make it an action filled game. But other than that, there's a lot of truth to the game, apparently. So go out of your way, check it out and thank uh, the crew of CGCG and Neon Doctrine and uh, Chun Wei Wang for putting this together, man, and, and making us aware of this hero that we probably wouldn't have known if not for them, <laughs> you know, so pretty awesome. So without further ado, let's get our underway because we got some really crazy news to talk about to start off the next segment. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. All right, we're going to start off with some unfortunate news that went national this week. Uh, in the world of anime in particular, Anime NYC, the anime convention that just occurred about a couple of weeks ago. And if you guys remember, I spoke about that uh, in terms of the setup that they had, the actually the bad setup that they had, where they had fans, thousands and thousands of fans outside in line for hours on end on a Friday, only to, to enjoy the show probably some two hours, uh, you know, of it after like they were out there i think from like morning to evening and they unfortunately a lot of people said that they only got to enjoy two hours of the show and if they had a friday pass they even got screwed well come to find out there that's the least of their problems right now because um anime nyc was put on radar nationally by all media as reports said that the that there was an attendee 
that tested positive for the Omicron variant. It was one of the first detections of the Omicron variant uh, there. Anime NYC announced uh, announced it on social media, uh, on all of their social media platforms, I should say, to warn all attendees of, their, of this discovery. And I have it right here, and it says, the Anime NYC team was notified today that one of uh, this year's attendees tested positive for the Omicron variant of COVID-19. According to Minnesota Department of Health, the attendee developed a mild symptoms, uh, developed mild symptoms on November 22nd and was tested on November 24th. And their symptoms have since resolved, which is great. Um, you know, they were they were being that it resolved. That means that they got vaccinated. So that's a good thing. We're actively working with officials from the New York City Department of Health who were coordinating with the various state agencies and the participations or participants who order badges online, as well as exhibitors, artists, partners, guests, all so forth and so on. All attendees should receive an email or call from the NYC Test and Trace Corp or their local health departments with further information and recommended next steps. You are strongly advised to take uh, to get tested. We thank our partners at New York City and New York City for the tremendous assistance and guidance both today and in the lead up to uh, Anime NYC. So there you have it. Um, this is unfortunate, and now everybody online, according to them, are now calling this person. They don't. They left him or this person anonymous. Thank goodness. <laughs> And, you know, it is, it is what it is. I mean, you can't blame the Minnesota guy completely unaware of such a thing. But the good thing is that his symptoms have resolved, which means he was vaccinated. So it's it's fortunate at best. But now that, you know, he's now this person's I keep saying he I don't know if it's a he or she. This person is now known as or them or they this person is now known as the Omicron. I mean, the Minnesota man. And which is funny because everybody's saying it's a man. It's like nobody knows who this person is. <laughs> nobody is confirmed. They never confirm whether the person, you know, the person's gender, you know, okay, or sex, whatever, orientation or whatever. Um, so, but nonetheless, somebody has contracted it and it can't be the only one. And I, I got a feeling there's going to be more. Everybody at that event was supposed to be vaccinated and have their vaccination cards. Um, people, on Twitter, a lot more people were coming out to complain about the conditions and setup of Anime NYC, much like they did the day of when everybody was in line con, as you want to put it. One person said they did not check our vaccine cards and there were people outside selling vaccine bands for five dollars. So people didn't have to walk, uh, wait online for 30 degree and um, 30 degree weather for three or four hours, some say five uh, for a wristband. This is their fault, and I had to get a re full refund for the Friday pass. So this person was one of the victims of the Friday um, Friday ordeals, unfortunately. Another person said they got checked, but they don't know exactly whether they need to get checked again for you know the virus for the Omicron itself. They don't know what to do. This is the same thing that happened when the coronavirus first came is that like people fear what they don't understand and they start freaking out and they start typing on social media about it. And then all the 
misconceptions come in and then people who think that they, they have a degree in medical in the medical field all of a sudden have a say and then we create joe rogan and then stuff like i mean it just stuff like that you know so it, it's it's uh it's gonna get crazy again it's going to get crazy and even worse this thing's called Omicron. so you know all the transformer jokes has been coming in like raining raining transformer jokes itself but i ain't, i'm not gonna lie i dig the name i'm a transformer fan myself from the door so the first thing any transformer fan or any fan of 80s cartoons who grew up in the 80s had to automatically think oh my god they named it after almost a damn decepticon or this is unicron's cousin okay <laughs> so it's, it's it's sad um more rep other people were saying you know i saw many 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 people inside without a damn mask on um you enforce nothing you know and 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 as they replied to anime uh nyc look regardless of whether the minnesota the person from minnesota was resolved this still does not take away and and, and this is putting anime nyc in the light in the worst possible light that they didn't want to be in and it you know it, it didn't help this is in, in addition to the line con the infamous now line con like this is the cherry on top for people so this is not the impression that I really, you know, that I really think that they didn't want to do. Interesting. This person, uh, Francis Steed from uh, the Washington Post also replied to this other person who wanted to learn more about the ordeal because I think they're going to do a write up on this convention because of how big this is now. This is crazy. This is not from a PR standpoint. This is not the publicity that they want uh i actually part of me feel bad for them but another part of me does not because they did not do their homework now we had in, in terms of big major cons we had new york comic con by repop who did tremendous in this case in terms of getting people into the convention with their bands and look by the time look i've heard when we when my wife and i my wife and i never stayed you know we got there until later on that evening i never heard any of this online i never heard any complications online anything to that nature we got in at like a seven in the evening at new york that on thursday everybody was already in everybody was already enjoying themselves i heard nothing online about any complications or anything like that and all entire weekend was just amazing and they they made sure they checked everything everybody got checked nobody broke into the lines nobody got through i mean there were some people trying to sell badges but it just it just wasn't happening um it's just crazy how well they did in accordance to how not so well this convention went and i heard about this convention before i heard about this convention and i am now not looking forward to seeing this convention not or going to this convention anytime soon um because the way they handled the things in comparison in comparison to how i experienced um my experience with nycc was every bit as fun and fantastic as I did with San Diego Comic-Con. I said this before. 
And speaking of San Diego Comic-Con, they just had their convention recently. And again, no problems on their end. Nobody said anything about it. Um, you know, there was no trouble at all. They handled their business. I mean, NYCC and SDCC are the top cons out there for a reason. They handled themselves very well in the event of the pandemic. Now, granted, Omicron wasn't around, but even still, during those times, but even still, well, we don't know. I mean, San Diego Comic-Con, I think, happened last week. So, I mean, but there were no traces stemming from that as far as we know for that. But even still, it looks like everybody was able to get in with no problems. There was no situations, um, vaccination bans and all this stuff was taken care of, much like it was in New York Comic-Con. It was fine and nobody stood in the line. Even if they did stand in the line at San Diego Comic-Con, for God's sakes, it's probably like 70 degrees up there anyway. So that wouldn't have been a big deal. But nonetheless, they didn't have to go through that. There was no complaints at all. It, we're like a couple weeks removed from Anime NYC, and this is crazy. And I know there was, I, I'm, I'm more worried about just also like, I'm just worried about everybody in this case. Like, this is, this is insane. I, I, it was at the same convention center as New York Comic Con, but it does goes to show same convention center, not the same quality. Okay. Cause they didn't handle themselves very well. And I'm, this is why I'm really grateful for how Repop pushed, puts things together and why I'm so grateful that I was, I was ever a part of that. Cause to me, it's like, these guys are top notch. And for me to be working with a top notch group of people like that, that's, that's pretty dope. And I'm, I'm glad because I, I would have been embarrassed if they did this and I don't know, we had a total different conversation if that's the case here. So, um, I, it, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I hope everybody is safe. I hope everybody really was vaccinated there. I mean, it was thousands of people there. You, you couldn't have gone in unless you were uh, vaccinated, but you never know. I just hope everybody keeps safe on air and hopefully we won't have any more news regarding this at all so ah, damn it to hell and hopefully our guests there too i know rdc world especially was there and they were not only just there they were out in the abyss of the fans and all this stuff and their fans were there too so hopefully that uh, god everybody everybody from there get tested get vaxxed up get your boosters all that please this is no joke and, you know, I got I, I'm trying to get my booster myself and, you know, it's easier said than done because <laughs> of high demand, um, but not as high as demand as the Spider-Man tickets. See, I'll segue to that. Um, the high, the, the Spider-Man tickets to see uh, No Way Home has been insane. I we t I talk about this briefly last week because last week when I started talking about it, one of our ACMG members. Daniel Wallace, shout out to him again, because if not for him posting on our Facebook group, I would have not gotten my tickets. Le le like legit. Um, he was, he posted saying that they were going to, they were selling out fast. And I'm like, really? I went to go see Shang-Chi and I went to go see uh, the Eternals. They were, none of those two were in high demand, despite the fact they were Marvel movies. Well, you know, far be it for me to remember that's this is Spider-Man we're talking about. And this is reportedly the last Spider-Man in the M in the MCU before he goes over to the Sony verse and does another three movies there. So I didn't think 
especially because of you know the pandemic and all this stuff that it was going to be in such high demand like this no those things were selling out everywhere and i looked at the movie tavern website because that's where i'm going to see it those things were gone like my wife and i are plan we're planning to go so we didn't think we had to rush at all because nobody's been rushing for weeks on end i've been going to the theaters for weeks on end you know reviewing shows uh reviewing movies for the show and there was not a high demand for these for any of the movies that i've been to this one is no is different <laughs> okay um so we managed to find two seats and the funny part about it is it's the same two seats that we got when endgame came out and if you guys don't remember endgame sold out exactly like this endgame was pretty much endgame pretty much was like um crazy sold out and we got only two seats left and it was at the far left it's the exact same seats that we have for that it's amazing and this is another sold out marvel event and a big this is technically spidey's in game to sort of speak for the mcu so this has gotten so crazy that according to ign people who purchase their these rapidly fast tickets are now selling them for ridiculously high prices and some of them were raising from minimum of four thousand which unbelievably there were some people that were actually bidding on them to a whopping twenty five thousand okay i don't want to condone this at all but it's four thousand dollars or i want a bootleg instead or for like 15 bucks or something like i'm not spending four thousand dollars for a ticket of a movie that i'm probably going to see a week in event like if that's the case no spoil that for me spoil it i'm sorry like you just i i will find another way to watch it or i will wait to watch it it's not that i mean i'm a spider-man fan too but if i didn't get a chance to get see this movie i would have to make do and it would have been really sad because you know i run a facebook group that i have posts that allows them to spoil certain you know movies and talk about movies as it appears and such but I happily managed to get it, but that's not even the point. Even if I didn't, I don't, I'm not gonna, not for a movie ticket, not for a movie freaking ticket. That is stupid. That is, that is beyond stupid. I mean, now granted, if somebody, you know, tried to give me 25 grand, enough for me to like put a dent in my, you know, student loans, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll sell it to that idiot um, who decided to want to spend, 25 grand or more on it you know but it's just a movie it's a probably gonna be an awesome movie hopefully but it's just a movie a movie that you could probably see at an early bird special that you could probably see a week later because all because you don't want to be spoiled by the results of the movie now take note i am going saturday so i really you know i'm really gonna have to you know kick it in I'm gonna have to you know not hear anything for at least 24 hours so um it's just it's crazy it is absolutely crazy how people have come this generation has come to this point like we've never done this back in the day even like 
Nah, none of the none of the uh, the X Men movies. Nope. Uh, Marvel Marvel Studios. This is how awesome they are in a sense that they make such great movies that people are dying to see this. No movie. People say what you will to those who to those who like the Martin Scorsese's out there who will try to throw shade on on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Your movies, as great as they are, have never been a hot ticket item. They've never anticipated anything like this. Your movies have never sold out. Nobody's ever wanted to shell, sell a Godfather ticket on the street for four to four to twenty five thousand dollars. OK, say what you will. This is a hot commodity and you're hating mad jealous. I'm sorry that people are want to go that are dying to see No Way Home more than West Side Story. No offense to Sp Steven Spielberg. I'm sure that movie is going to be awesome. And it's probably going to get a, a, an Oscar nomination. But you know, what's so funny too. speaking of the Oscars. It's stuff like this that really pisses me off, because when you see hype like this. And especially if the movie is really good, yet the committee doesn't see that and see what people are hyped about because they have their own old school uppity elitist ways about how they view movies it really kind of upsets me. Because like if I you're trying, you're, you're, you're saying that when I got emotional and cried when Yandu died in Guardians of the Galaxy, like that, that scene was not worthy of a Oscar nod. You know what I'm saying? When Tony Stark died, like, how is that? How are you not emotional to that? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I, I would love to get into the mind of the, of one of the people in a committee to understand what ex exactly they look for in a movie. And if a movie grabs a fan like this, and I've heard so many people get really emotional about enter Marvel Studios movie, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just I just don't get it. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what is going to happen with this movie. It better be worth the hype because we're this is the third one in. This is going to be I mean, they're going out with a bang. I mean, they virtually are having the Sinister Six in this. Um, uh, Unfortunately, no Mysterio, but you got Sandman, you got uh, Doc Ock, you got Green Goblin, you got Lizard. Uh, you don't have Vulture for some reason, unless we, unless we, you'll see Vulture sometime down the line. But we virtually got the Sinister Six movie that Amy Pascal was trying to do, was leading up to want to do, um, at quite a while, and I don't even know if she realizes this. I don't know. You know, that's the thing. I don't know how much of a fan Amy Pascal is, but I know, and I could have sworn that she commented about what she thought about the Spider-Man movies or Spider-Man's entry into the MCU with uh, Civil War, which I just watched again last night. And God, it, that movie was just so awesome. Uh, his introduction couldn't have been done better. And, and that's why I think Amy Pascal really kind of gave it like she got she tried to throw a little shade and I'm like, she, <coughs> excuse me, she doesn't. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that she was not a fan of how they're handling Spider-Man in there yet. She's still choosing to use Tom Holland for the other movies regardless. Um, yeah, whatever. 
but man, they they uh they did they did this character so much justice in here and like how you're not gonna like this movie like what they did with you know that movie but you love amazing spider-man amazing spider-man with with andrew garfield it was half of what the uh, what the spider-man movies in the mcu was i've only enjoyed the second one the first one i was first of all i didn't i hated the suit of the first one because the material looked like a spalding the same material used for a spalding basketball the second one was better but i didn't like the way jamie fox um was portraying matt uh max dylan i did like the way he was portraying electro when he became electro um and i didn't it, it just it was a lot to it that i didn't like and did like but i did like this suit i thought the suit up until um homecoming was one of the best spider-man suits made up until that point but um yeah man it, it's this is going to be interesting this is going to be interesting I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it if it's worthy of $25,000 we will find out in a couple weeks when I actually do my 300 episode so just to let you know this is the 299th episode of talk time live and you know in about two weeks I'm going to be doing which means I will be taking a break next week because I got some things to do but it, it will fall right in to the 300 episode where I will be doing the review for spider-man no way home is perfect because i believe the last time i reviewed spider-man homecoming i believe it was homecoming it was my 100th episode so uh it's really it's only appropriate that i review spider-man no way home in the 300 episode it just makes all the sense in the world so stay tuned for that and much much more but let's stick on to some spider-man uh, news because last night yesterday if you will we got our first look at spider-man across the spider-verse we got to see a full two minute and 30 second trailer of this movie a, uh, that's coming in 2022 and it looks awesome <laughs> oh my goodness what i love about it is that the, the trailer picks up right from uh right where we left off of the first movie with miles morales listening to music uh laying in his bed as a portal appears above him with the voice of Gwen Stacy, um, Gwen comes back to hang with Miles and convince him to go out with her despite him being grounded. Uh, we see Miles travel across the Spider-Verse and enter what appears to be the future. As he falls out from the sky, from the portal, another familiar looking Spider-Man catches him. And it is in fact, Miguel Rodriguez, AKA, spider-man of 2099 we will see him appear in this spider-verse i can't wait uh we then see a logo that uh you know that says spider-man across the spider-verse with the words and graffiti plastered uh, above it saying part one so this is gonna be uh this is rather gonna be a trilogy or they're doing just a two-parter from that point but this movie is already has a release date for october 7 2022 i cannot wait this looks awesome um spider-man 2099 dude dude and i also like that to be getting the trailer says another another universe <laughs> as in they're giving a nod to what's going on right now with the mcu and all this stuff so i really dig that i'm looking forward to this this was a great surprise this is a big spider-man week um we already got spider-man on marvel avengers there's um the announcement of this the hype for spider-man no way home december is spider-man this is like 
we're we're supposed to be talking about Christmas. It's Spider-Man and partially the Matrix too. So looking forward to that. So uh, this is going to be awesome. We also get a chance to see another trailer in the world of DC. Uh, ergo, Peacemaker, John Cena's new series from HBO Max uh, in the in the universe of DC or Zack Snyder's DC or whoever's DC that is DC Films, I should say. And I gotta, I will tell you, I am excited about this. I am really, really excited about this. I have not been more of a John Cena fan than I have when he went to Hollywood. And this one is going to be awesome. He's, if you guys remember during the end of um, the Suicide Squad, you know, after he was knocked out uh, insanely, he ended up working with Amanda Waller or another subgroup that uh, he's working with. And now he's going to be doing work with them. This is going to end. He's like this trailer is going to delve deeper into his world also we get a chance to meet his father who just happens to be um the guy the terminator believe it or not <laughs> so i mean um not only just any terminator but terminator uh, what is his name um pat robert patrick who played t1000 in there so that's his pop and also interestingly so we get in vigilante uh, you know, if you're a DC Comics fan, you know this character. You may have seen him on other, for, like on Arrow and other shows as well. But we're getting Vigilante as, uh, I guess, his partner. Um, in this trailer, also, we see John Cena kind of stealing a bald eagle, <laughs> an American bald eagle in here uh, as well. So he's going in this uh, too. Um, and he's teaming up with this motley crew of. Um, agents who are ordering him to you know murder and kill people one of which is a kid and he's not really trying to kill a kid even though he did say no matter what it takes to you know no matter what it takes to actually get the job done he whether he's going to kill you know um either kill kids or not he would have to do his job and he's starting to have a change of heart for some reason and i think this is going to play into that whole thing we also see danielle brooks from orange is the new black in here as well uh playing a character leota who is going to start being kind of his conscience in this case um this is going to be a really interesting series uh james gunn is you know still on this he's directing and producing this whole thing and we're going to see some awesome awesome things in here i look in terms of john cena like I was a John Cena fan when he was doing the Thugonomics thing in the WWE. And then when they started making him the G.I. Joe version, that's when people started, you know, crapping on. I don't think they were really crapping on John Cena because it was him. It was the direction that he was given. I think he still was that Thugonomics dude that was doing all those, you know, freestylings and all the stuff. Much like Max Caster and AEW is now. I think he would have got more praise. I would I think he would have still been really popular back then, but you know, they chose him to do. But I love Hollywood John Cena. Because Hollywood John Cena, like he's he's doing what he wanted to do. He saw what The Rock was doing. He wanted he was he wanted to do it too. He's every bit as charismatic. He has his own form of charisma. And it's playing. And what better person to really focus on that than James Gunn, who was able to make Batista, Dave Batista, uh, and like, and in terms of 
acting abilities and charisma. Nobody tops The Rock. John Cena will be a hot second. Batista, honestly, I never thought Batista had it in him to do what he does. And they play to his streams really well. And he does awesome on movies. He's 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 assimilated really well to knowing what to do in, in movies now. And he's been a part of some really awesome films and some films of his own. So he's made his money. He's making his money. But now John Cena is the third one. And he it's, it's just going to be instant. So I hope John Cena never goes back to the WWE ever because <laughs> he's paid his dues but i'm looking forward to this 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 um this looks really cool this looks really cool and chaotic and uh we're gonna have a lot of fun <laughs> so this movie i mean this series is coming i believe they haven't given a date for it but i believe it's coming very soon it looks like um 2022 it doesn't really say specifically but actually no it does <laughs> oh this is coming out January 13th. You know what else is so special about that date? The day after that is my birthday. Know what I'm doing. So I'm binging like crazy on that day, boy. So provided that they don't make it episodic. I think they're going to make it episodic. Damn it. So I'm looking forward to that. Last bit of news. I think, I yeah, this is the last bit of, uh, this is the last subject I want to talk about here. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure arrived on uh netflix uh the latest edition star stone ocean i watched the first 12 episodes the first part of this i'm always i've always been a big jojo's bizarre adventure fan i love and th to those who don't know because i think a lot of the new fans of this series of the anime series are fans who weren't fans of the original I think they were fans of the series rather than the original OVA that came out because JoJo's Bizarre Adventure started out as an OVA and it was only like what three four maybe five episodes in and it would only it only covered the start the uh Stardust Crusaders uh saga it never went before that and then they created an entire anime series that chronicled everything the joe star family leading up to stardust chronicles and then they went further in to create newer stories after that so you had uh golden wind you had uh diamond is unbreakable and the recent one the stone ocean which now stars jo uh, jolene cujo who's the daughter of um jonathan of joseph or jonathan he jojo pretty much um he's he's the daughter of jojo and pretty much and um that was Joseph because Jonathan's the father. Joseph is the actual son who owns, who, who um, has Star Platinum. But she's the latest. And the deal with this is that she got set up into a car accident just to get her in jail so she could kill him or she or they could lure uh, Jojo back into the jail so they could set up to kill him by a guy who was associated with Dio. And this this rivalry will never end <laughs> apparently dio and the jo joe star family has been rivaling for centuries at this point and she's the newest and he knew that this was going to happen in some form or fashion he apparently he left the family uh ages ago and probably because to probably to protect them and now what happened is that she ends up in jail 
she was on a date with this um with this guy who got into an accident apparently they made it seem like that that basically they they staged a, they staged a car accident and the car accident apparently was that it was basically somebody throwing the actual person oh joe taro is the is the if I, as the um as her father joe taro who um who is the who uses the stand of star platinum just looked at it up on um on wikipedia thank you wikipedia so the deal is, is that they set her up she ended up in jail Jotaro knew that she was going to go to jail, so he gave her the pendant that activated her stand powers. Uh, the stand powers that wind up she calling Stone Ocean. And she realized that she was, you know, being set up. And when she found out because of her stand abilities, she 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 was determined to basically, you know, get out of jail and prove her and prove her name or get the people back that set her up and try to set her father up who she resented for so long until she realized why he actually you know did what he did because he didn't want he basically didn't want them to be affected by the Dio family so uh and apparently joe taro is now a marine biologist according to the english version i don't know if that's true to the to the actual japanese version i know they sometimes take liberties with things you know um and change things around adr wise but I didn't know he became why a marine biologist. I don't know. <laughs> so he uh, he's now, you know, met up with her. And in the midst of all this, they finally were able to set up with him. And this guy, Enrico Pokey, who's like a priest of sorts, is the one is the last loyalist of Dio. And he's the one that's trying to get revenge on Jotaro by you know targeting his daughter and it just goes into these crazy episodes I, I i will tell you this first of all jolene cujo is one of my favorite among the series so far and that's saying a lot because i love star uh, diamond is unbreakable i didn't like go to win nearly as much and maybe i just got to watch again but it just got so weird and it went such an odd direction that i just couldn't get in with it but this one i love jolene cujo i love i love the design of her i love the look of her i love her character everything about her i think she's awesome she is joe taro's daughter you could tell and her powers is, is dope too her her stand ability is dope so and it looks like she's just learning it more and more as we go along um to me this is the best season since stardust crusaders and that's saying a lot and no and i do love diamond is unbreakable as i said i really did like that one because it was really a great crime thriller in a sense and it really had you going back and forth i'm already in the first half of this i haven't seen the second half but i'm already digging this i'm already digging this uh this show already now i will say this one of the best musical themes opening themes i have heard in years and i just in all of anime and i hope that they keep it I, I know they have a tendency on this show, mostly every anime, to change the music around. I think that was the other reason why Go, um, Golden Wind was, I, I was so upset with that because they had Jodeci. They had Freaking You by Jodeci as the, as the closing theme music for that show. And then they changed it to something way worse, like way worse. Like, it, like not to say that, you know, Freaking You was, was worse. It was awesome. That was, yeah, I used to 
uh, they used to be on my playlist and it was just crazy that they used that song as their closing theme for an anime it's just the most bizarre thing in the world but it did but they they changed it to something that was nowhere near as good in my opinion and i think that was one of the other turnoffs of that series as well but this this the, the song is is so rock it's so um as as they say it's so uh, so uh, metal is <laughs> is really dope so i i dug that um this anime alone was just it's what anime was intended to be i know there's a lot of you know kid friendly anime right now but i grew up on anime not being kid friendly i grew up with anime being you know what can i say it, it was like edgy it was provocative it was uh sex it was like sex oriented it was take no names gritty violent this has all like if i was watching anime back in the day this was one of the types of anime that i would walk into i'm like what the hell is this and i want to be a part of this you know it was just great animation great art style and then on top of it the the nature the, the subject matter and the nature of it was just i shouldn't be watching this this is very taboo i'm in this is the type of anime that i grew up in not like Yu-Gi-Oh or pokemon no offense to them but that they made it kid oriented and kid friendly after that and yes there was in japan some kid oriented stuff back then but this is where like anime was used to be their prime time television much like we kind of use it now here um we now celebrate anime almost in the same fashion as they do in japan and this is this is just an awesome series um i love the fact that it is on netflix because the whole entire you know uh series is kind of it's a all-female prison environment this is like jojo's bizarre adventure meets orange is the new black like if you love orange is the new black you'll probably love this too in a sense but also if you you have to be a orange is the new black fan but also anime fan too because there's some intertwining here it's it's orange is the new black with a anime twist to it but it's awesome it's really and this is not for kids at all this is i do not recommend you watch this with kids they talk about a lot of things in here that you, if you don't want your kid to know or if you don't want to take the time to explain uh or if you don't want them to freak out based on some of the crazy things that are happening in this in this um series then you'd be best not to let them watch the other thing too i love which this uh before i, I i'll say it now on the next select start i'm going to do a throwback review of one of the uh last jojo bizarre adventure video games on playstation 4 and uh i i what was it i forgot the name of it eyes of heaven that's what it was um eyes of heaven which came out on the playstation 4 i believe in 2015 um and uh in the and playstation 3 as well but it's a fighting game that Bandai Namco made, and it, it basically is a whole original story that combines every JoJo century in there. And I, the crazy part was I I played it back then, and I played it when I played it back then. I was not a fan. I'm probably going to repeat this on Select Start too. I was not exactly aware of every series that they done because I was more familiar with Stardust Crusaders because that's what I grew up on. 
but then I learned about Diamonds Unbreakable, and now that they started showing all of the new shows, especially on on, um, on streaming networks like Hulu and, and Netflix, and I got to see all of the anime that this is based on. So now I can go back and play that game again and truly understand who these people are. I can be more immersed in these in these people now, and it's like a whole new experience because now I'm really intuitive into the the dialogue and the and the subject matter and it's a whole original story uh with this game so i absolutely i am i'm looking forward to replaying this game again and talking about this and if you have a playstation 4 or a playstation 5 i you may want to jump on this game you definitely may want to jump on this game because if you're a jojo fan you're going to enjoy this i i i can't wait to talk about this on um this week's episode so stay tuned for that and not only stay tuned for that, but stay tuned for our talk topic of the week. So that'll do it for us here on this segment. And that's all we have to talk about in, in the uh, world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I am going to review 8-Bit Christmas starring Neil Patrick Harris. And if you're a Christmas fan, you, wanna, you may want to add this to your collection and we'll tell you why. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time live.com talktomlive.com provides all of our acmg content with new and previous episodes exclusive interviews articles and much more visit talktomlive.com and let us help you learn to let go live life and love all things acmg talk time live hey what's up everybody this is mike mo from street fighter assassin's fist you are listening to acmg presents talk time live Os. do it and now it's time for our talk topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our talk topic of the week. And it is my review of 8-Bit Christmas, the latest Christmas movie on HBO Max. There's a lot of Christmas movies out there, but none of them. Are game related and this is why i was more intrigued about watching this more than anything and not only you got a lot of things that i like nintendo and neil patrick harris you put those two together and you got some gold man and i like i said in, in, in earlier in this uh episode that i don't really get down with christmas movies like that because i didn't celebrate Christmas growing up. I was a Jehovah's Witness growing up. So I didn't really have those festive ideas. And I mean, for like, not just like a year, I was a Jehovah's Witness, a child and a Jehovah's Witness for years. So we didn't celebrate Christmas for years on this. So we missed out on a lot. And it wasn't until like I was like 16 or 15 or whatever when my parents split and we just, I guess they got disfellowshipped, is what they called. Um, and we just said you know screw it we we just they're gonna start we're gonna start celebrating but we still didn't really celebrate it because we were still i guess we were still kind of assimilated into the idealism and the ideology of of the witnesses uh or the truth is what they call it but we i mean it's just it was something we like it for those who don't know if jehovah's witnesses you don't celebrate 
certain aspects. You don't certain uh, holidays. You don't celebrate birthdays. You don't celebrate none of that stuff. You can't pledge allegiance to the flag. You gotta you gotta be isolated from a lot of things. I you know as a kid it was hard to do and it was I didn't quite understand why you needed to do that or whatever it just didn't feel right and or or not being able to associate with other people which we were deemed holy uh worldly people which to me that was like no I why why am I discriminating against somebody who you know I it's just a whole thing but none I digress you know now that I do and I, you know, there's only a few movies uh, that I would really get down with. And this may be one of them. This has everything that I ever wanted. Uh, you know, this has a bit of nostalgia. This has, you know, a lot of great comedy to it. And a lot of relatable things of how I grew up with my friends back in the day when I was a kid. And I think they did a great job capturing a lot of what you know kids have gone through in a day and i think everybody can relate to something or had a friend that was within the cast that was here um this was directed by michael dose uh who i believe he's directed uh some well-known movies um stuber which was uh which who starred that uh, dave batista and the guy from um what is it uh kamel uh nanjani from the eternals so they i remember they did a movie together that he directed as well um he's most known for that but and some other films as well but um he i thought he he also did future man on hulu too uh for those because i knew there were there's some people who really really like that um that series on hulu but he put together a really awesome movie here and it was written by um kevin uh jacob uh, uh jacobowski if you will and i thought they did a great job with this i it you know you could obviously tell when watching this movie that these guys were everybody involved were fans of a christmas story because this has a christmas story vibe to it but is brought into the modern era of uh to our modern era and you had to include the nintendo entertainment uh, system to it as the mcguffin if you will so here's the story jake doyle played by neil patrick harris tells his daughter a story of how he ended up with a nintendo entertainment system for christmas quote i'll just leave it at that we then flash back into the 80s as a 10 year old jake and his friends are in pursuit of getting their own nintendo system like everybody else did when that system was out like every like i can tell you in my block when the nintendo came out man you always had like one or maybe two people who owned one and even if like i had a, i had a, my cut before i got one ever my cousins used to have one and i used to go and they lived like almost a half a mile away from me i literally would take a trip rather walk there or go in hopes that I'll be able to play this <laughs> to play the game system with them or um you know I had a friend who have it. they probably go over their spot to get it before I ended up getting one myself and it was funny because like once you have a system back back in the day like that and you're a kid everybody wanted to be your friend everybody wanted to you know and you took total advantage and control of the situation okay um so this was no different this movie shows those nostalgic moments 
not only about getting the Nintendo Entertainment System console, but also like if I'm a Nintendo fan, I, I would be if I'm a if I'm a Nintendo, I'll be floored. I don't know if Nintendo. I know the Nintendo has something to do with it because they were able to use the rights and the logo and the system and everything in there. Um, so I they they had to be authorized to use the actual logo and everything there. So I knew they were thrilled to that a movie about their system was being told here. Um, it was it's just it's just awesome. Just shows you how awesome Nintendo is. Um, but it also shows you you know how it just reminds you how it was to be a kid back in the day <laughs> in such a way and how how much we have in common as kids because i know there's a character in that movie that people rather knew as a kid or could relate to as a kid because they were that person and i know i when i watched this i knew there were a few characters in there that reminded me of people that i used to know or still know back in the, uh, from back in the day. So, I mean, it has a lot of uh, um, nostalgic moments, not only for the Nintendo uh, entertainment system, but just, you know, how we grew up and, you know, and the feelings whenever someone had, you know, one in a neighborhood, it was just, it was gold. So everybody, everybody would want to be this person's friend. Um, this also included a bunch of parents. People, you got to understand it. I know people who are watching this right now, or I'm sorry, listening to this, or even watching the movie, and they're at all of these parents, because now, you know, in this day and age, we made it to the point where adults and parents understand the value of the video game industry and how much money this industry is growing and how much, you know, kids can now make playing video games, rather developing them or being an esport guy which is a, the new athlete of this generation. We didn't have all that back then. So people fear what they didn't understand. And that was one of the situations of this movie. It really captured the, I, I guess you could say the ignorance of the parent of the eighties when a new system like this and everybody's being, you know, going crazy about it, but they don't know about it or they're not trying to find out about it. They just, their parents, they want to, they just want, to be in control of things and when they don't know about it and they don't understand it they neglect it and just you know go do their own thing regardless that's just how it was back then so you had the parents who couldn't fathom the craze of this system nor its price tag so instead they would make excuses on why you wouldn't or shouldn't own this system they used to say I, and I, we heard this a lot all the time from parents. And it was mostly, I think it was mostly because parents saw the price tag and was like, no, I can't afford this. This thing's like 250 bucks. There's no way I'm going to be able to pay for this. So here's my excuse. This thing will mess with your eyes. This thing it will corrupt you. This it's just, it, it's always something every single generation. Um, back in the sixties and the fifties, it was comic books in the eighties. It was video games. And the more advanced video games got, the more crazed kids were gonna are gonna be, and the more parents were gonna have to find a way to not get this. Not because they couldn't, not because they didn't want to, but more like probably because they couldn't afford it, and they had to make excuses because of it. And it means they had to work extra hard in order to do it. So 
young Jake also uh, had his fair share of friends who reminded me of friends that I grew up with. Like I said, the Hodge twins, the Hodges consistent of two twins that uh, brother and sister sibling who would always share their gifts and happen to have their birthday around Christmas time, which making it like a two for one deal. You know, you ever have one of those friends whose birthday is like rather two or three days away from Christmas. So everybody celebrates everything at once to kill two birds with one stone. That always sucks for people. At least thankfully my birthday is like two weeks after Christmas. So it's enough to get people away from that idea of Christmas and then go right into my birthday right there. So it works out that way. <laughs> and then this was the one that really got me, the character that got me, Jeff Farmer, who was like the habitual liar of the crew. I think everybody, especially during the eighties, had that one friend that or guy that they know who always lied about what they had or what they got or what they did in life. I won't put this dude on blast because I know if anybody's listening to that knows me, knows who I'm talking about. I do have a, a guy that I know that to this day still does that. It irks me. And like, it's, it's, it's okay when you do it as a kid because it doesn't affect you. But when you still do it as like in your forties, and you telling that to people and you screwing with people now you're screwing with people's life <laughs> we there's a bunch of jeff farmers out there and i just happen to know a jeff farmer so my jeff always seemed to like lies up lie about everything and i would always have to catch him on it and see jeff farmer with jeff farmer had uh for him is that he didn't have the internet but he had friends that knew that he was lying because they would never be able to he would never be able to prove uh his truth you know what he claimed it was the truth now we got fact check <laughs> now we got the internet now we got google so like my jeff farmer is always you know trying to make up some stuff and my jeff farmer basically can't because i know half of the things that he that he claims or or if he said that he knew a certain person i would reach out to that person because i know that person and find out that rather he didn't know him, but something happened or they didn't know him at all. So yeah, there's a, the Jeff Farmer is based on true, like, like, uh, based on true, uh, people out there. There's a lot of Jeff Farmers out there, unfortunately, uh, especially on social media, but I really enjoyed, um, this character because it just, it, it literally sold me on that, that ordeal right there. Um, so I, I really loved it. I loved everything about this. And you had that, you had your like, you're kind of a geeky type of kid. Like it was a kid, there was a kid for every type of person that you probably knew or didn't know in, in, in this uh, movie. And I love the diversity of it because I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a, almost a predominantly black neighborhood. But there were some uh, Caucasian people occasionally living in the area and everybody was cool. So I, I it, it wasn't, you know, total disbelief in that nature, even though it's the 80s. And the 80s kind of was a, I think the 80s was a better time when everybody was getting along with each other. Breakdancing was a big thing. Everybody was enjoying music, the same music together. You know, we all listened to Kenny Rogers and Madonna and Run DMC and LL Cool J and Elton John. 
all in one radio station back when they actually had DJs who would recommend what was good in music back then. Not like these music radio um, stations who, you know, get paid to loop songs that we don't even like anymore, you know? So, um, it was a lot to it. There was uh, also the, the, the one student that was like way bigger or possibly older than the other kids who was in here bullying everybody occasionally as well. And I thought he was hilarious because I thought he was like a stranger at first in the beginning of the movie. And then it turns out he's a student, you know, we, later on in the film. It's like, oh, this is crazy. How old is this kid? They never really reveal him. I'm glad that they didn't. Um, Jake's daughter, as she's listening to the story, was totally uninterested until he mentioned the story about the time when um, they went over to Timmy's house. Now, Timmy is the guy who the one guy in the neighborhood who owned a Nintendo. He's the only guy because their parents apparently are loaded or well off or whatever like that. So and he was a spoiled brat kid and was able to get whatever he want. And because he knew he got the Nintendo Entertainment Center, he was the guy that was able he had full he he had full advantage here. Um he was they were like tens of um uh, tens of kids I don't want to say hundreds, tens of kids, sometimes the, sometimes teachers or the coaches were out there or something who wanted to get in to play this video game or not. It was crazy. But you had all these kids coming along to the, uh, you know, the house and shouting out Nintendo, Nintendo or something like that, chanting and all that stuff. And he's going out there. He's like, you know, every year, every single time, every week, he picks 10 kids out of the bunch to come in and, you know, check out the game and play the game. It was supposed to be play the game, but in fact, Timmy was actually just Timmy was in there just playing the uh, Nintendo himself and not allowing anybody else to play at first. Um, but that was his deal. And he just he was just a total jerk of a kid back then. And in this particular part of the story, it was crazy because they they talked about the timeline was kind of confused. They didn't really focus on what timeline is because Neil Patrick Harris also said you know, Jake or Jake, I would say, um, he was specifying what, you know, year it was, but they didn't want to specify the year because of what they were doing. And I understood that after a while, because, you know, she, the daughter asked, how old were you back then? He was like, maybe 10, maybe 11. I don't know. It was just to say the eighties. So they kind of did the Goldbergs thing. Cause in the Goldbergs, they, they kind of just don't specify what part of the eighties it is, but they just, you know, show things that were very nostalgic of that time and period so you have the nintendo right there which the original nintendo i believe was out in 85 i believe um nintendo entertainment system when did you appear 1980 oh in japan uh 1983 and yeah, 1983 for that. 1985. Yeah, it was 1985 in the U.S. It was 1983 for the Super Famicom on in Japan. So they, um, they, you know, it, it, you had to round it up about it was 85, but then all of a sudden, the Power Glove makes an appearance on the in the movie because Timmy winds up getting the Power Glove, uh, which I really absolutely marked out for. I marked out insanely for this. And let me tell you something. I used to own a power glove. So I knew the authenticity of this movie would be in check if they 
even remotely acted like that this this whole thing was legit so because if you all know if you owned a power glove then you also know that that damn thing did not work as good as they claimed and i you know if you watched like the old movie the wizard where the dude had the power glove and he made it seem like he was you know controlling it the way he was want to but they probably used a controller when they aimed it at the uh aimed the camera at the screen dude that that I, the, you know de design wise like I, here's the thing i was still and i probably will eventually buy a power glove just for nostalgic reasons because the design of it was awesome but truth be told that thing was such a flaw it did not work the way it wanted to it was it was it was flawed from from the beginning it was a design flaw from the beginning and but nonetheless the, the just the look of it was just so dope for its time now thank you nintendo has perfected on that technology way better than they ever did i think if they wanted to now i think they can absolutely create a power glove and just fix you know fix what they didn't do before because the joy cons and the and the um nunchucks that they had for the wii it is the advanced version of the technology they have for the power glove but i'm going out of the way here the power glove actually premiered in 19 uh, it was 1989 that it uh, came out on so they presented that uh timmy got the power glove and they didn't want you know the, the, the uh jake and the gang found out that the power glove is coming he was most likely going to be getting it and they didn't want anybody to know because if they, they found out that he had the power glove more kids would want to come to get you know and to check out this power glove somebody jeff of course spilled the beans to everybody and lo and behold there was even double or triple the amount of kids that was at there including the coach of their um the 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 gym teacher was actually there to see it as well it was hilarious so basically the story of this is that he went in played with the power glove and here's where here's where things get crappy the authenticity gets checked it's because one and this is they took liberties here they obviously took liberties here timmy put on a, 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 a video game that was supposed to be a fighting game okay let it be known fighting games were not a thing in 1989 and let alone it was not out during the time of the nintendo of the power glove it was not at all out during the power glove matter of fact street fighter was an arcade game that came out and it couldn't been put into it could not been have been put into like um like that came out in 1994 and 16-bit games haven't even come out yet they never had an 8-bit fighting game before so this was totally a fabricated you know fictional game that they used to tell the story of what was going on which i was fine with because it was like it was ridiculous the whole uh, the events of the movie was ridiculous in itself and it was hilarious so it was like you kind of just got to let that go in the case but they were playing the fighting game timmy was using a power glove tammy was using the um tammy uh was using the actual uh the uh, regular controller and beating him with it and lo and behold she wind up she wind up whipping him with the actual uh power glove and 
Timmy got so damn angry that he furiously karate kicked the TV, breaking the screen after Tammy Hodges, one of the Hodge um, twins, beat him. He not only damaged the screen, but the TV fell onto his dog. And this was probably the funniest moment of the entire movie because they did they did exactly what I would have done as a kid or what any of my friends would have done as a kid. A, a, a huge TV, and not like these flat screen TVs that we see today, which still from, you know, would damage a, a pet of any kind. But you had one of those huge mercury screen tubes fell that fell remotely on the dog. Everybody just stopped with silent. And Jake, Jake, you know, narrating on the top, he's like, we did where any kid would do back then. We booked it. And they jet, they were out. <laughs> this was the funniest part of it all. Now, granted, thank goodness, nothing, you know, apparently the dog was okay. And no, no you know, dogs were harmed during the filming of this movie. But it was crazy. It was, but it was, it really felt like something that would legit happen or has legit happened in somebody's household during that time. I've, there was, I'm sure everybody had some sort of a crazy moment when they had friends over like this. It was just hilarious. Um, this led to Timmy's parents talking, uh, taking the NES away from him and warning other parents uh, that getting an NES would corrupt your kids violently because of what happened to the dog. They never, take note, they never blamed Timmy. They blamed the NES and it, instead of blaming their lack of parenting, okay? I thought this was hilarious. This led to a bunch of protesting out in the malls so people wouldn't get uh, the Nintendo. And the kids from this point on, without getting, you know, uh, playing with Timmy's Nintendo, were trying to go through many options and obstacles to try and get their own NES before Christmas come, even selling reefs and uh, in order to win one. And that led to some things and it just go from there. I won't spoil the rest. Um, it goes it there's a lot of twists and turns leading up to how Jake got this uh this Nintendo. And when you do, it's gonna it's gonna warm your heart. And I will say this. There's a moment in this that got me so emotional, but then got me so angry at the same time in a good way that I thought it was awesome the way they did this. I thought it was awesome. I won't I will leave that one because I I would love to see other people's reaction to this, but overall, this movie takes you on a roller coaster ride and at times will draw you into Jake, uh, into how Jake actually got in, um, got up the system. It's just so awesome. Um, the movie provides a lot, uh, the spiritual comedic stylings of a Christmas story with a modern day story that many can relate to. I highly recommend this movie. I, this is officially my new annual Christmas movie to watch. Like there's no other, maybe there's, there's this movie and then there's a lot of unofficial Christmas movies that um, that I will watch too. Like maybe Gremlins, maybe Into the Spider-Verse. Um, never been really a diehard fan like that, but you know, this, this is just one of those things to it. But I'm officially adding this Home Alone. I guess people can, you know, mention that one too. But I tell you, man, this really did it for me. This absolutely did it for me. I enjoyed this. I highly recommend you go. If you have HBO Max, 
go out of your way to check this movie out, especially because if you're a Nintendo or a gamer alone and you grew up with that system, you will recognize they captured so much of the feeling and emotion you had as a kid. I thought they did a great job. And of course, Neil Patrick Harris narrating the story of everything is it was just it was fantastic. I so I know I don't think I've ever enjoyed a Christmas movie like I did here. And I've watched a Christmas story and I love the Christmas story and I get why everybody loves that cult classic. This puts a modern twist to that in a way that makes a Christmas story seem like it kind of ages a bit because as we get older and time goes by, a Christmas story becomes unrelatable in a sense because the stuff that they did back then, you don't recognize or do now, but you still appreciate it for what it is. But I think kids today can look at this the same way we looked at a Christmas story back then, you know? And I think they did a great job capturing it. I hope that this becomes a lot of people's stories for years. I need this to be a cult classic for people. Uh, everybody did a great job. So if I'm going to give this a grade, I am giving this an absolute A because, yeah, they had they actually made me shed a tear at, at the end and didn't make me take that tear back. <laughs> they they got me. They they really got me with this uh, film. I I dig it. So please check it out and maybe add it to your collection of Christmas movies that you're going to watch. I think you're going to love it. There's a lot of Christmas movies out right now, especially if it's from Hallmark or Lifetime. Screw all them. If you're a gamer, this should be your movie. Trust me on this. So go out of your way and check it out there. Folks, that will do it. But before we do that, actually, I did something. I hate to do the, the record scratch thing, but yeah, I did something yesterday. Uh, so in honor of that, I want to find on our ACMG Facebook group, I put out a post asking what is your favorite official or unofficial Christmas movie? We had a few entries here. Of course, you know, somebody was going to say Die Hard because that's the cool thing to do. So Anthony uh, Cassio, uh, he put out Die Hard, uh, Joshua De uh, Dever. Put Gremlins, James Johnson, Elf, Jason Miller, The Year Without Santa Claus, uh, Michael uh, Burhan. He's been a guest on the show uh, over the years. He put Goonies. Now, the funny part was he typoed it. He put the goodies in there. And I kind of thought that he was saying the Goonies. And I was like, wait, what is the is, is the Goodies a porn parody of Goonies? What the hell? <laughs> what's going on here so he put that in as that um tasha jennings one of my favorites uh put in uh the nightmare before christmas and i didn't think about this jim uh Kasten, and i think he did this to troll me too he put in batman returns which i'm like yes that is a great unofficial christmas movie but he also put shazam and i had to grind my teeth with that one <laughs> Because he knows how much that show, that movie pisses me off about their depiction of uh, Philadelphia. This is, this is, I don't want to get into it again, but <laughs> that's theirs. I'm pretty sure there's more people that are going to put it in. I, I put it in yesterday, so there'll probably be more in for there, but I want to shout them out for uh, putting it for that. Uh, and that'll do it. That'll do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. I hope you all enjoyed this very festive episode, if as festive as it could possibly be. <laughs> but um, next week, there will not be a show. There will be a select start episode because I will go back and uh, I'll look back at jo Joe's, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eye of uh, Heaven and check that out. Um, and some other news that's going on in the road from that. So 
but we're skipping out on that episode uh, on a uh, prime episode until the week after because our 300th episode 300 we made it to 300 um i'm gonna review spider-man no way home so i mean it's only appropriate i literally have i i, I reviewed that movie uh in my 100th episode i believe it's my 100th episode so uh i'm gonna enjoy doing that there and just celebrating all that is this show for 300 episodes it's just awesome um it's been a it's been a wild ride with this show i I, i'm glad i never stopped (laughs) okay i'll i'll get deeper into i get deeper and emotional to that during the week but just what a road what a road so again folks go out of your way to uh, check out this show and every show on talktimelive.com you can find uh all the podcast episodes including this one there you can also go to our uh media page um or i'm sorry our t uh talk time live exclusive video page where you can see all of our interviews that we did on video including recently kyle abair the voice of fat gum gohan ryu from street fighter captain eisen and many 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 more voices that he uh did uh we got him on video this time this is his fourth time being on the show and this time he's just such an awesome dude and this time we got him on video it was a great interview uh especially we covered everything from his career and even mental health i highly recommend anybody check it out because you know what better person than to do it than the voice of ryu and gohan for christ's sake um we also got my good friend danielle kennedy who is an actor who's been on everything I mean, everything from TV shows and movies. She was recently on Ghostbusters Afterlife, making an appearance there as well. So we get to talk about that. Jeffrey Champa Cruz, the artist most known for um, drawing and illustrating Street Fighter and uh, the Uda Entertainment comics. And recently, Marvel Tech on Avengers uh, series, which is awesome. His artwork is dope. Jeffrey Thorne, the writer, producer of Black Panther's Quest on Disney Plus, now on, um, were formerly on Disney XD and he's now writing for dc um he's writing the uh green lantern series right now as well and it's a really great series i'm uh, i subscribe to it now on com- uh, comiXology so check it out amanda c miller the voice of sailor jupiter baruto and joe from kid cosmic the cast of naruto including my friend molly flanagan here kevin conroy uh brian donovan the voice of rockley i mean you just name it. i have video interviews with so many great people in your favorite fandoms you you gotta go out of your way to check it out just absolutely awesome um you also want to go to the media page because exclusively i have the repop metaverse panels that i was also a part of as well uh interviewing the cast of bleach sailor moon that time i got reincarnated as a slime my hero academia core cast the core cast bakugo uh midoriya uh everybody uh Oroko, I mean, just God, um, it's just it's just an honor to be able to talk to all of them. The core OG cast of Pokemon, okay, Ash, Brock, and Misty, all in one swoop. Do you know how awesome that is? So awesome! Wait until you see what I got for this year's Christmas sweaters, <laughs> um, in tribute to them. Uh, so yeah, it's um, this is just awesome. This I love this new website that i have for talktimelive.com and in our blog section 
We got a bunch of different articles and recently two interviews, exclusive written interviews, uh, one from Yale, which I did like sometime a year or two ago. Uh, he's from Moscow. He did the he's the sole developer for the friends at uh, Ringo Ishikawa. And he's looking looks like he's building a brand new game. So if that is the case, I will be getting in contact with him again soon about it. And then you have um, recently Chun Wei Wang of uh, GCG who produced the Legend of Tian Ding. Go out of your way, check both of those out as well. And both of those games too, because um, both of them are awesome indie games. I love the indie, I love indie developers, man. I love what they do. I love their purposes and reason and everything too. So folks, go out of your way, check out all that and uh, much, much more. But if you want to subscribe and download to this show to never miss a beat, you could do so on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast. Shout out to my Tumblr community out there, you know, keeping strong while they do whatever they're doing with that site and much, much more. So thank you all. And that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.